in a one-on-one situation, if you consider this, if it was just you and I sitting in a room, the whole extent of our knowledge is you and I. That's the capacity of knowledge that we have in that room at that time versus we get together every 90 days. And essentially what we do is we mastermind each other's business. It's a very open format. And if you can imagine uh, the same way that if I turned up to a board of directors meeting and I was the CEO of my own business, I essentially would turn up and and show the board what it is that I'm going to go off and do and what I've been doing and the financials in the business and here's my upcoming strategies for the next 90 days. And essentially, my job as the owner of the business is to prove to the board that I'm actually still capable to keep running my own business. Author Jim Rohn wrote, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I remember when I first heard this quote early on in my life as an entrepreneur just starting out in business. And to be honest, it really hit home for me. You see, I didn't come from a background of business. My parents didn't run a business. Their parents didn't either. I was brought up with the expectation to work hard for someone else, to get paid, you know, get married, have kids, live a good life, all that sort of stuff. So when I made the decision over 12 years ago to break that mold and start a business, for me, I was walking on unbroken territory. And for many years, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. So when I heard this quote, the average of the five people you spend the most time with, I realized that that was something that I could have influence over. If I wanted to build a better business, to be more successful, to be a better business person, then I needed to surround myself with people doing that, to become the average, the type of average that I desired to be for myself. And as a result, over the years, I've actively sought out opportunities to put myself in situations that help me step outside of my comfort zone that challenged me to be better and that encouraged growth in ways that I didn't even realize that I needed to grow. And it's made me a better business person. As a result, a better business. And one of the biggest influences on me in business over the last number of years has been the idea of masterminding and mastermind groups that I've had the privilege of being a part of, along with the mentors and coaches I've had along the way. But what is a mastermind anyway? And when is it right for you or for your business? Well, my friend, that is exactly what we'll be exploring in this episode as I introduce you to one of my longest term business coaches and mentors so that you can learn more. The world of video marketing for business is changing and I don't want you to get left behind. G'day, I'm your host, Ben Amos, and welcome to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you the best in the world of video marketing, content creation, business growth strategy, and storytelling, along with practical tips, insight, and knowledge that you need to grow as a confident video strategist and build profitable businesses. Let's get on with the show. G'day and welcome back to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. This is episode 226 and we are rounding out the year here of 2021. 
Man, I cannot believe it is nearly 2022. Things are getting crazy here. Summer is in full force here in Australia. And although we've had a lot of rain lately, the heat is powering down here in Queensland on the Sunshine Coast where I live. All right, so let's talk about this idea of masterminding that I want to, I want to focus on for this episode. The term mastermind was first coined by Napoleon Hill as he described the mastermind principle as when two or more people actively engaged in the pursuit of a definite purpose with a positive mental attitude constitute an unbeatable force. I love that, an unbeatable force. So in this episode, I'm going to be sharing more about my experiences in a formal mastermind environment and why I genuinely believe that every business owner, regardless of where you're at in your business right now, should be in some sort of mastermind whether it's a paid environment or an informal free mastermind. So let me ask you, are you part of a mastermind yet? And stick around until the end of this one, as I'll also be sharing more about the opportunity that I have right now for you to apply to be a part of the very first formal mastermind that I am putting together called the Strategy Board. My 12-month high-impact mastermind for video strategy business owners just like you. If you are in a video production or strategy business and you're turning over at least 7 to 8k per month and you're ready to supercharge your business growth through support, accountability and guidance from your fellow strategy board members in 2022, then this could be exactly what you're looking for. Spaces are super limited and it's by application only. And it will only suit you if you're at a certain level in your business and you are 100% committed. But if you're keen to learn more, then head on over to engagevideomarketing.com slash board to learn more about how to apply right there. And a bit more to come at the end of this episode about that as well. All right, so let's get into it. Let me introduce you to our guest today. He is Wade Grundon, head business coach at Entrepreneurial Business School. Now, I first met Wade nearly 12 years ago at a local networking group. And soon after, I hired him as my first business coach. I was totally green, had no idea what I was doing in business, but I knew I needed help. And I directly attribute Wade to giving me that business brain that I needed, which I didn't have at that early stage of my business. Now, I worked with him for a few years back then, and then there was a number of years where I was not working directly with Wade, but I was working with other mentors and coaches. But then for the last three years now, I've been coaching with Wade again, and it's had a massive impact on my business. So I wanted to bring him into the show today, particularly to talk about the experience I've had being on his board, uh, his board or mastermind environment for the last nearly well, over two years now, I've been part of his board environment. Now, Wade is a person who thrives on dealing with people and making a positive impact on their lives. It is his mission to inspire people to achieve more. And I know you're going to be inspired to achieve more yourself after listening to this episode. And particularly, I hope that you get inspired to consider the role of masterminding for your business following our chat with Wade, which we'll get into right now. Here we go. Wade, 
Wade, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Ben. Good to be here. It's it's good to have you here because, as I mentioned in my introduction, there I've known you for I don't know. I think it's probably twelve years, maybe even more than that. Um, you've been a significant part in the growth of my business over those years through the coaching and support you've provided to to my business. But I've never had you on the show, so I think it's time that we remedied that. So, you know, I think the the value of bringing on my business coach to this show for for the listeners of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast is really I want to emphasise for people who are listening the value of having that kind of role in their business life, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit about today. So before we get into that, though, Wade, can you tell the listeners a bit more about who is Wade Grundon? What do you do? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Ben. And thank you for, for inviting onto the podcast. Uh, so essentially, uh, my role is I'm a business coach and the business is Entrepreneurial Business School. And I got into coaching and started coaching about, oh my gosh, must be 15, 16 years ago now, something like that. Um so I've been doing this a little while and, and have coached across many different industries, many different people, uh, got to experience meeting some very fun, amazing people and seeing some pretty interesting businesses over that time, I must say. So, uh, But essentially what I do is we help businesses grow uh, with more profit and help the owners get leverage through more time. So in a nutshell, it's time, team and money other three pillars. Yeah, awesome. And we might touch on a, on a few of those things today as well, but the question that immediately comes to mind for me that I know those listening who perhaps haven't done any sort of business coaching in their business before is, is how do you identify a, the right coach to suit your business and, and where you're at in your business? And I guess part of this question as well, Wade, is a lot of people would think, that they want to seek someone who's say a mentor who is in the same sort of industry, but just further along than them. Whereas that might not necessarily be the right way to go. So actually let me just flip the question here because I'm thinking, (laughs) what what would you say is the difference between say a mentor and a business coach? Is there a difference? Well, look, they're closely related. So I, I think if you asked me about a coach, I see, I see, well, certainly my role or the role of a coach, and this just is not in business, this is in sporting as well. So if, I, if we can cross a few parallels when we're talking about coaching, uh, I would say that half of it is skills training, um, mentorship of the person, and essentially just helping someone develop the tools to either A, get better at business or get more knowledgeable on business or in their particular sport or whatever it is they're doing. So I think that's half of the role of a, of a great coach. The second part of it really for me is accountability. So, yeah. you know, often I think about it. So when, when I first uh, found a coach, I actually got a business. I've had my own coach with me in business for, well, before I even started doing business coaching. So it'll be coming up 18 years now that I've had my own paid coaches around me. And if you ask me really what did I want them for in the first instance, I thought it was for skills, but there I very quickly realized it was to make sure that I stayed on track and that they got the best, that I, I was getting the best out of myself, basically. So, so the second part of that is accountability. So if I was looking for a great coach, 
I'm looking for those two things. Someone who can be what I'd call an unreasonable friend and hold hold me tight from an accountability point of view. And then also someone who's got who's got the skills uh, in and around whatever it is that you're, you know, someone's wanting to get growth in. So, and I think the other thing I'd say on that too, Ben, is you, you alluded to industry specific. Yeah. So it's not necessarily my belief that if I... I don't know if I own, say, a hairdresser that I need to get someone who has huge amounts of experience in hairdressing uh, as my coach. In fact, I would actually probably say that sometimes it can be a little bit detrimental uh, that if someone comes in with industry knowledge, they can also come with a little bit of their own belief structure and uh, constraints in and around what they think is possible in that industry. So sometimes having someone who has no perception of an industry they're great on business uh, is a is a really valuable thing yeah yeah that's that's really it's really good insight i think what i loved that you said there wade was i think you used the term an unreasonable friend is that right did i catch that right yeah yeah i love that idea you know i think the important thing that i've come to realize when it comes to choosing and working with someone in a coach or mentor environment is the idea that you the difference between someone who's coaching you and cheerleading you, right? So the cheerleaders are, are on the side, they're supporting you, they're, they're in your corner, they're, you know, celebrating the wins and they're, you know, they're helping you out along the way. But a coach is actually pushing you, is actually challenging you, is actually thinking about not only, you know, the successes and the good things that you're doing, but also raising the challenging things that you're doing or the maybe incorrect things that you're doing. So, I really, I really love that distinction there. Yeah, I'd agree on that 100%. And there's a word that we use uh, called perturbation. So it's a good word for anyone if you haven't heard of it for someone to Google that and look up perturbation. But essentially, it's when it's when uh, imagine jumping out of an aeroplane. So uh, if if that moment of just before jumping out of the aeroplane, being making that decision. Um, do I want to stay inside my comfort zone or expand my comfort zone? And what I see is a great coach is not someone that just cheerleads someone, is a cheerleader for someone who stays inside their comfort zone. A, cheer, a, a coach's job is to push and expand people and expand their skills, knowledge, and what they're capable of. That's really what I see the role of a great coach is. So, so yeah, unreasonable friend is a nice way to put it. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. You know, I think many of the listeners of this podcast are from some sort of a creative background, whether they're actually actively running some sort of a creative or video-based business or, you know, as a listener to this podcast, they, there's some element of creativity in the business that they do. And my my position on this as a creative business owner myself is that there are there are some challenges that we put up when it comes to seeking help in business or um bringing on a coach or opening up to a coaching type arrangement. And for me, just to kind of clarify that, it comes down to the fact that I'm often not in business for business sake. You know, we're often in business for for the creative work that we do. At least that's why we start business in many cases. And then at some point you realise that you actually need to figure out this business stuff in order to be able to keep doing the creative stuff that you want to be able to do. And that yeah. for me was that that transition between understanding the real value in having that kind of coach environment um, to be in. 
So, you know, and I often credit you directly, Wade, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you before, with actually, you know, helping me understand the business side of business, you know, even just language to use when talking business in sales really cannot be overemphasized as, as being such an important skill to have when you're in business, even if that's not the reason you started business. <laughs> so in the work that you've done with creative business owners or, or, um, you know, particularly earlier stage business owners like that, where do you see the challenges often arising for people and how do you help them overcome that? Gosh, great question. And, and especially in your space, Ben, thank you too for all of that. I'm grateful. Uh, creative people, um, and especially in your space, like it's a creative space that you're in. Uh, it's interesting. There's, there's, I get people that kind of come from three different positions on this when, when we start talking about uh, coaching or business or structure and, and these type of things. And one is, uh, firstly, someone has to be comfortable with, there's a level of comfort of going, oh, my gosh, I've got all this beautiful creativity and, and you could call it intellectual property and work that someone does that, they, that, that I'm there saying, well, I – I'm asking that you share some of that with me. So there's a there's a huge level of trust that then firstly needs to happen uh, between between two people uh, for that to be okay. So so one element is is there's a trust piece going on. Uh, the second part is, uh, you know, if you ask me, business is really a numbers game. So uh, I can talk to, I used a hairdresser as an example before, hairdresser might do the most amazing haircuts and flamboyant and creative. It could be you, Ben, doing video creation work and all these type of things. And, and I'll say, uh, or we'll talk about their business and they go, I have an amazing business because I make amazing haircuts. When in my world, what that should look like is let me have a look at a profit and loss statement or a balance sheet and let's convert that amazing creativity over into how that translates into kind of the couple of the key things in business, which is uh, money, firstly, so the numbers on the, on the actual business, and also time. So how that converts into time and, and leverage for the owners. So, um, so that's, that, that, that's the second piece that comes out of that as well so so it's interesting with creatives because sometimes uh my when i have some fun dealing with creative people it's i would prefer to keep looking at the fancy haircut than i would looking at the financial numbers in the business so there's a little bit of a crossover that we do there to to merge those two things together yeah, yeah. I, I i could uh, it's countless times that i've heard people in in industries, creative industries, or just colleagues of mine say something along the lines of, oh, profit and loss statements, you know, I, I gloss over when I look at that sort of stuff in the business, <laughs> you know, or I leave the numbers to my accountant or those sorts of phrases, you know, but I think, I think we all know, and I think those listening know as well, even if they might outwardly say that, just how important really understanding the numbers in a business are in order to have a successful and sustainable business. Yeah, and I think it's um, it's the same way. It's like for me, it's just a muscle that that we flex and get stronger at. So rather than uh, you know me coming in trying to learn how to edit a video, I would have no idea how to do that. I would be completely um, bamboozled by that. It's the same with just 
learning numbers and learning the structures, the actual core framework of how a business runs that I think is the fundamental that then we then overlay over the top of it, what is all the creativity? So it's not about stifling creativity, but it's also about coming back to what's the core function of a business as well. So so there's that little piece there that, um, that can be fun for a period of time, I must say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> now we've talked about the the idea and the role of a of a business coach in a business, but you know, I I think that what we're talking about there typically is a one to one kind of a relationship where you're yeah. um, you know building a relationship with a coach in in person to be able to help you uh, to develop your business. But one thing that I want to talk about and and why I brought you onto the show here is because the way that we've been, we used to do one-to-one coaching for, for quite a while. Um, Wade mm-hmm. helped my business in a one-to-one manner for quite a while. So lots of yeah. value in that. I uh, definitely don't want to underemphasize that. But for the last number of years, we've actually been in more of a, a mastermind type environment facilitated by, by Wade and his team. So, you know, we call that the sales board. Um, that's the the name of the program that we're in, but it's effectively a mastermind type environment. So for those people that haven't heard of this term before, or maybe have heard of it, but aren't really familiar with this idea of a mastermind, can you maybe explain that in your own way? Yeah, for sure. Um, So we started, so when I first started, just as a bit of background on this, when I first started, the only way that I thought uh, a coach could relate to a business was on a one-on-one situation. So everything I did for the first, well, certainly handful of years, maybe even nearly decade was done in a one-on-one basis where I thought that was the greatest way to get, um, to get training, knowledge, speed of growth was in a one-on-one situation. But then I transitioned over to what well, we call them uh, boards as in a, a pseudo board of directors. Other people might call, call them masterminds. And I guess the premise behind them, what I love about it is – Firstly, in a one-on-one situation, if you consider this, if it was just you and I sitting in a room, the whole extent of our knowledge is you and I. That's the capacity of knowledge that we have in that room at that time versus we get together every 90 days, uh, you and I and and some other people. So uh, about six people, uh, businesses, not not competing businesses. These are different types of businesses, but they could be in the same industry. It doesn't really matter. But we get together for a full one or two days and essentially what we do is we mastermind each other's business. So uh, it's a very open format and if you can imagine, uh, the same way that if I turned up to a board of directors meeting and I was the CEO of my own business, I essentially would turn up and and show the board what it is that I'm going to go off and do and what I've been doing and the financials in the business and here's my upcoming strategies for the next 90 days. And essentially, as it operates in large business, the CEO's job, my job as the owner of the business, is to prove to the board that I'm actually still capable to keep running my own business. So um, it's it's a great analogy, even though they're doing their own business, and, and what it does is suddenly we now have the perspective of five or six other experienced people in business who can then come and ask really high quality questions and challenge any assumptions that, uh, that I may be making or somebody else may be making to make sure that we don't go and hit what I call uh, an iceberg 
I'm sure if people, if anyone's in business, they can relate to that they may have hit an iceberg at different points in time or or the language that we use around our boardroom uh, is, is a dumb tax where we go and pay a, a tax of either time or money because we didn't we didn't think hard enough or uh, people around us didn't ask us good enough questions. So so suddenly with collective knowledge, I think there's huge value in masterminds and I've realised that that is actually uh, the ideal way to go. So it's essentially how we do all of our coaching now. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for yeah. sharing that and I absolutely agree. Like I've been part of a number of masterminds in a couple of different formats the longest uh, the term mastermind environment I've been part of is is through through your board, Wade. But um, it, I think really the value, as you've emphasised, there is in that collective knowledge. You know, and it's not only it's not yeah. only collective knowledge, but collective experience. You you mentioned that, but uh, I just want to highlight that because sometimes it's not about uh, cognitive knowledge that other businesses in that room might have, but simply the act of sharing you know, direct where you're going, sharing goals, sharing, reflecting on where you've been in that open environment enables other people to, you know, cast a different light on things because of their experience. They might not have the answer, but they might have a different opinion or a different alternative view on things, right? So, you know, I, I come across 100%. this all the time um, when, when I'm in, in in my own board and uh, it's it's that's the real value that can't be, can't be expressed clearly sometimes, so that's probably why I'm not expressing it particularly clearly <laughs> now. Well, it's so interesting, right? Because um, there's this there's this phenomenon, and essentially, like the the thing that I hold on to about why I love coaching is that I, I use that golfing analogy that I can't see myself swing. So in business, I can't if I was the if I'm the golf player, I can't see how I swing. It's exactly the same in business. I can't see how how I'm doing in the business other than looking at reports and numbers, but from a behavior point of view. But it's it's amazing how often when we're in the board setting, uh, and I'm in my board too with my own business, so where there'll be somebody who is talking about their business and there's this phenomenon called mirroring that starts happening where I sit there and go, or you might do this, Ben, go, oh my gosh, we're talking about Bob's business over there and that exact same thing is happening in my business over here. So suddenly, suddenly there's some speed of correction that can happen, and um, and we can start getting traction off this whole common set of experiences and a wealth of knowledge in the room. So it's highly, highly valuable. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent agree. So I want to explore. Like we've talked a little bit about the structure of of your board environment that that you've built in your business that I'm a part of there are different types of masterminds that people can uh, seek to form or to be a part of as well. So let's just, mm-hmm. let's just bounce off that for a little bit because, you know, my just quick thoughts on this, you know, definitely there would are opportunities around small group masterminds that are just formed collaboratively between businesses who are, you know, open to being open to each other. But then there's this like longer term kind of facilitated mastermind environment, like we're talking about, about there, how do you see those two? Well, first of all, is that kind of the mix of it? Like, as far as you you're aware, and if if so, like, how do you see the difference between those two types of masterminding experiences? Yeah, I, I don't know if there's actually that many um, things that are dissimilar about them, um, but maybe what I'd share is 
is if I was establishing a mastermind, so if I was going to go into a mastermind yep. uh, with a group of whoever that looks like, whether that's a paid mastermind through somebody or whether that's me with just a collective other group of um, you know businesses or, or other acquaintances to do that in an unpaid environment, I think there's some fundamental principles that need to be followed to make it an effective uh, an effective mastermind. And I think the first one for me is that there's an agreed set of rules right at the very start. So yeah. um, I'd actually, if I was jumping into a mastermind, I'd, I'd create a set of guidelines and rules around this is how we're going to operate as a group. Uh, I think the second thing is is that the master the commitment to the mastermind has to be greater than any other commitment. So as in, if I was lining up with, say, five other people and we're going to do a six-person mastermind every quarter, uh, the commitment would be that it comes before anything else in the business. There will be nothing that, that, would, that would be on top of that, um, that I'd hold the mastermind very, very sacred and go, this is, the, this is my commitment to everybody else in the, in the business, in, in their business. And the last little piece on that is I'd have a facilitator that gets rotated around. So one person is the responsible facilitator uh, that goes around organising where it's going to be and, and these type of things. So, um, so without kind of getting into the, the detail, the nitty-gritty of, of the content, of the mastermind, so whether it's a business or a personal or, or a mixture of both, uh, that'd be some of the basics that I'd certainly have in play to make sure that it's an effective mastermind group and it doesn't just kind of wash off and peter off and not serve a purpose, if that makes sense. And I don't like my gym memberships, I don't start it and then two months later lose interest in my gym memberships. We don't want that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I think the key, the key thing there, you know, yes, an agreed set of rules so everyone's on the same page and there's some guidelines that are, that are in place here. Yes, you know, having a facilitator, someone to, you know, keep things on track and ensure that things are moving in the direction that they need to. But the key mm. thing that you mentioned there was commitment, you know, commitment, commitment of every single person within that mastermind. And so, and that, that idea that it's greater than other commitments that you because I think, you know, when you recognize the value of a collective is it's only as strong as the weakest link, right? It's, it's only if, if someone is uncommitted or is unfocused or is not in it for the right reasons, then it can very quickly bring down. And I have to say that I've been in, in relatively informal mastermind environments before which that was the case, you know, and it just, it just it doesn't it provide value very quickly because not everyone's in it for the right reasons. So that would be my key caution as well for people is that commitment thing yeah. is key. Which I love too, and and I know that this is the space that I'm in, but I I personally know that when I put money down, my level of commitment on something suddenly rises. So um, hence why I I love the thought of always that. Uh, that there's a paid commitment inside a given structure because the level of commitment suddenly rises significantly when when there's an investment. So, yeah, even though that's my industry and I'm, you know, that's plug for my industry, Ben, but that's what I do believe. So, yeah, well, I mean, look, I, from my own experience as well, I 100% agree because when I have paid to be a part of a, a mastermind or in a, an environment like that, again, my commitment is significantly higher. Um, and it, it has to be right because you're putting something in and you need to get something out. 
Right. Yeah. And it's also in there for the collective value as well, of course. But so, you know, definitely the return on investment of anything you're paying for a mastermind should be pretty clear relatively quickly, at least as far as, you know, the growth that you're seeing in your business or the development of yourself as a business owner. I would probably just add to that though, that it's not necessarily a clear monetary return on investment straight away. Right? It's not necessarily spend this much on a mastermind, have your first couple of meetings together and then it's going to increase your bottom line by the same amount or more. That's not necessarily the case. But I think the real value comes from growth, accountability in your business and as a business person, personally. Yeah, I 100% agree. And there's so much stuff. Like at the end of the day too, we're a bunch of humans operating businesses that – to have a, a you know a support network around as well is a is a valuable tool. Yeah. So one of the things you've talked about, Wade, is the idea of openness of about being open. You mentioned the idea of sharing financial information um, in a in a mastermind environment, particularly in a paid facilitated mastermind environment like that, where there is that level of commitment, that agreed set of rules. That point alone, I think that idea around openness really there's a lot of blocks thrown up for a lot of people in business. It was also a blockage that I considered when I first started in this environment as well as the idea of opening up financial information to other people, other businesses in the board. How, How would you, how do you help people kind of reframe that in their mind when they're considering getting into this sort of situation and what's the real value here? You know, is it possible to, to be in that sort of mastermind environment and not have that openness? Look, I would say it would be limiting, not like if there's a – because ultimately if, if I was to say to somebody who was feeling uncomfortable about doing that, there's an area, either an area of their business or an area of their life or their financials in their business that they have some fear or some constraint around sharing inside it. And I will also say that – uh, that the mastermind is a very confidential space. So as in, um, certainly in our boards and in, in other masterminds, is to say that anything is, that is discussed inside that room is not allowed to go outside the room, that there has to, we have to seek permission from the other parties in the room to talk to anybody outside of the room. So uh, if there was something that came up about or a strategy or an incident and I wanted to go home and talk to my wife, Christy, about it, I'd specifically have to say to someone, are you okay if I have that conversation? So first bullet point is a high level of confidentiality uh, is is needs to happen in the room. Yeah. But secondly, it comes down to this thing called um, ego. So ultimately... If I go, why wouldn't? Why do I not want to share my financials? It's it. It comes down to it's it's actually my ego serving its purpose, which our ego is there to protect us from fear, vulnerability, all of these different things, so that we don't go and get hurt in any way, shape, or form. So, the ultimate part is to really tap into that. It's the it's my ego that's driving the behaviour. And that in actual fact, there's nothing that's going to happen that's really going to cause me any harm inside that confidential space. And the quicker that I'm okay with that and letting go of my ego and actually being authentic and very, very congruent and sharing everything, that's the moment that suddenly I as a human, you are, are openly saying, 
okay, great, we're ready to make some changes here. I'm ready to own who I am, my situation. I'm ready to move forward. So, uh, so there'd be the the piece that I do would be some coaching around that and go, what what's your ego saying to you if there's some blocks coming up there for you? Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah, the other thing, I, I love all of that and that ego thing is it's such a big thing and, and, you know, it's definitely not something that you can just think your way out of. You know, I think you need to yeah. take action to overcome those things that your ego is holding back. The way I kind of liken it, particularly around this fear of open opening up to others in this environment, is a bit like that feeling, I don't know if you've ever felt this, Wade, where you, you're invited to a fancy dress party. Right. So, and you decide, okay, I'm going to go all out. I'm going to get all dressed up in a costume. And then, and you're driving to the place or you're, you're on your way to, to the event. And then you start to have these fears and doubts in your mind of like, what if not other people aren't dressed up like this? What if I've gone all out on this fancy dress and everyone else is just wearing casual clothes and I turn up, open the door to this party and, and everybody's like, you know, not on the same page as me, you know? And I think when you, when you understand that there's that agreed set of expectations, there's that commitment to play full tilt when it comes to the right sort of board or mastermind environment. And then you open the door and you're in that environment. That means everyone else is, has gone all out with their, with their fancy dress as well. Instantly you feel that if I look silly, well, they look silly too. Right. Um, so that's the way I kind of think of it. Is I that, love that analogy. That fear, right. And that's the thing, right. If you're going to open up your finances um, to a, a, a group of other business owners like that, they're also doing likewise to you. And Correct. I can tell you in my experience, no business has a perfect set of finances. No business has everything sorted out in their business or else they probably wouldn't be seeking a mastermind or a board environment, you know? So that's just my take on that. Right. So, I hope that's valuable. I a hundred percent agree. hundred um, percent agree on all of that. I've never heard that analogy about getting dressed up, going to a fancy dress party, but I really like it. There's so many similarities. You know so the feeling, I might, right? <laughs> I might, I might uh, do some market research and steal that one off you, mate. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that the key thing to recognise there is, you know, when you when you find that, that the right environment for you and and you, uh, you know, have that level of commitment and it's facilitated in the right way with the right sort of integrity, and I think that's critical as well, is everybody's in there for each other as well. You know, so if there is parts of your business or parts of your financial situation that, that need work, well, you've now got a collective group of people who are there to help you work on that. I absolutely agree. And... And the other thing that I didn't mention on the strength of what I've found, and this is personally as well as within groups that I facilitate, is just from a business mastery point of view, so actually the skills and tools to run business and team and whatnot, um, suddenly in a mastermind group, I don't have to, uh, previous to that, the only business I had to care about was my own. And now suddenly, as you're saying, in a mastermind group, I now have to be able to relate and think of a business who could be a different size to me in a different area in a different industry and actually be able to turn my my business brain to that particular industry. So from a point of skills around understanding on how to run 
business from a marketing, sales, management, all these different perspectives, systems, team, uh, it really elevates that. So that's, yeah. the, that's the other piece that I didn't mention. Yeah, thank you for adding that. That is a, yeah. a, a significant benefit that you're able to apply your business head and mind into other businesses' challenges that maybe it's not something that you've faced or you've um, been challenged with or it's a different industry or a different situation, but there's so much growth that can happen personally and professionally in, in that way as well. One thing, that, just as we as we wrap up here, Wade, I think this has been super valuable. So let's um, let's make an assumption here that those listening have decided, okay, this is something that I need to pursue. I need to look for some sort of an opportunity to to be able to develop myself and my business in this way through this mastermind or board type environment, where would you say that people should go looking for this? Like, does it need to be in their local area? You know, does it need to be, like we talked about their industry, does it need to be a business of a certain size that they're, you know, getting together with? How do you find that facilitator? That was about seven questions I asked you. Let's see how you answer that. (laughs) Well, first things first, from a geographical point of view, um, it, it, they, the, the mastermind members can be anywhere on the planet with the way technology works these days. So, for example, we're, you know, we're in, in Queensland, Australia, so we could have mastermind members all over the planet on all different continents, no problem whatsoever, so long as someone's okay with different time zones. Um, but I, I would look to, if it was me, I would go... Uh, personally, I would look to find somebody who already has a structure. So it's just simpler and easier when there's an existing structure in place and I'd go to aim to plug into that. So our personal preference on whether it's someone within uh, within the person's own industry that they're in and they go looking for an industry-specific person or whether it's someone who's not industry-specific and they want to connect on a on a different levels. So as an EG on that, in our business, we we are not industry specific. So everyone who sits on our boards are all different businesses from different industries. But I think the thing that I would say that I would look for is I'd look for two things. One is someone of a similar uh, kind of level of experience in business is useful. So not necessarily size of business, because it could be someone who's in a startup phase that has just sold a, a business and now they're back in startup phase, but they hold a lot of experience. Um, so I, I would look for people of a similar uh, experience level of where they're playing. And the second thing that I look for is relationship. So uh, I, I want people that I can that I can truly put my trust into, and and that I know are going to participate at a high level. Uh, 100% completely for our whole time together. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that last point is really key. You know, I think if you haven't, if there isn't a level of trust and and integrity and um, belief in, in why the person's, you know, in that environment in the first place, then, you know, I think it's hard to, to allow yourself to be open and allow yourself to connect in that way that, that you need to. So, you know, I think all of all of those points are super valid. So, thank you very much for sharing that, Wade. So, just um, just in closing here, I just want to give you an opportunity for any any say parting words to listeners, particularly you know, listeners of this podcast. As as you know, Wade, uh, 
they're whether they're in, in video in some form or they're in creative business of some form, they range from small solo operators in, in business to part of larger organisations. But I think all of them have the next level that they're wanting to get to in their business. So, you know, what would you, just to leave people, what, what would you say is the real value in either seeking coaching or seeking a mastermind environment or, or looking to expand your knowledge and skills in that way? Yeah. So, well, the, the couple of things that I'd say is one is certainly find a coach, <laughs> get, in, get inside a support network. So I often use the analogy that once someone enters into coaching or a mastermind or one of these type of things that suddenly it starts becoming like living dog years where we're, where we're squeezing you know, seven years down into one because there's some some pressure and some speed being applied to it. So uh, that would be my first thing that I'd say on that. Um, and the second thing, just from a big picture point of view, I would say, and, and even really even more relevant to a creative business is just know the numbers. So have the skills to go, I understand how to read not only financials and, you know, P&Ls, balance sheets, cash flows, these type of things, but really understand, uh, you know, what the critical drivers are in the business that drive um, money and time. So utilisation reports, all of these type of different things. So, and, and, and never leave that to chance. So don't leave it to an accountant to do, take the ownership uh, myself or themselves to really own that and be across all of that data. So it's, for me, numbers tell a great story. And when you do some, or when we do some trends on that, uh, we can really start honing in on how to, how to do little tweaks in the, in the hypothetical cockpit, if you like, of the, uh, of the business. Love that. Yeah. Cool. So good. Thanks for sharing, Wade. And, you know, I just want to, in closing here, just, um, you know, just thank you as well again publicly for, for the value that you've added to my business over, over the many years that we've, we've known each other. And we've dipped in and out of coaching and mastermind and board environments over, over those years. But, you know, it simply you know, can't be underestimated. I don't think the value that having someone in your corner um, like, a business coach like Wade has been for me. So if you're listening, you know, take some action, go out there and go out there and do your research, find someone who's a good fit for you. Or maybe that someone is, is already in your network somewhere and, and maybe it's a matter of just finding out what they can offer. But yeah, Well, take thank you, mate. And, and I'll come back to you and just say hats off to you. There's few people I know that are, are as committed as you are to, uh, to not only directly to yourself and your team, but highly, highly committed to all the people that you do work with, and really supporting people in this space on the whole planet. So, uh, you're 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 a great dude and a big influencer in that space. So I, I take my hat off to you as well, mate. Ah, uh, thank you, Wade. So onlinebusinesscoach.com is the place for people to go to check out more about what Wade and the team at Entrepreneurial Business School do and what they have to offer. Is there some? Is there a do you, are you on LinkedIn, social media, or any other place? Or that's the best place for people to go. Oh, I'd just go there, and all the all the clicky buttons are on there. All mate. the you clicky can, buttons. You can find us all from anywhere there. Yeah, yeah you'll right. find a a free workshop to go and have a look at and get some insights any 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 way. Excellent, guys. If you didn't catch that, onlinebusinessschool.com, But we'll have links in the show notes uh, for this episode at engagevideomarketing.com slash two two six. Wade Grundon, thanks for joining me on the show today. 
Thank you, Ben. See you later. All right. Thanks again to Wade for joining me on this episode. As you can see here, there's been a long history between myself and Wade. And as I mentioned in that episode, I continue to get so much value and inspiration and guidance and support and accountability to grow my business and continue on this trajectory uh, through the experience that I have on the, the board environment that I'm part of with Wade. And of course, as I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, you now have an opportunity to join my board environment. The Strategy Board is a small group high impact mastermind which is kicking off in 2022 specifically for video strategy and video production professionals just like you it's a 12-month program specifically for owners of these businesses like you who desire further skills tools inspiration and guidance to achieve your goals now let me explain a little bit more about how this will work as I said, it's designed specifically for video strategists or video production owners who are in business and they want to do business better through the support and guidance of the other members of the board. So it's not about me being your, your coach. It's not about me just being the sole source of inspiration and information for you. Instead, it's about the collective knowledge of the other members in your board environment. Now I'm going to be very carefully handpicking based on the application who's going to be part of this or who's going to be offered an opportunity to be a part of this very first strategy board here. And when you are accepted into the strategy board, you'll be on the board for 12 months working together with other board members, very closely getting to know their businesses and help be that trusted board member for their businesses as well as them doing the same for you. It is application only, as I said, and you do need to meet the minimum requirements of turning over at least seven to 8,000 in US dollars equivalent per month for your business. You need to have 100% commitment to being a part of this. There's more information on the first strategy board and the opportunity for you to be a part of that over at engagevideomarketing.com slash board. That's B-O-A-R-D, engagevideomarketing.com slash board. Now you do need to act quick because I'm accepting applications right now, but the applications will close on the 20th of December, 2021. So if you're listening to this and you're past that time, then, and you go to that website, engagevideomarketing.com board, there will be some information there about how to express interest in future board uh, environments, but there is only eight seats maximum on this board. So if this is right for you, I'd love to welcome your application and see you there. Engagevideomarketing.com slash board. And that's it from me, guys. Until next week, I'm Ben Amos. I'm here to help you engage your ideal audience to action through effective video marketing strategy and to grow your business. Take care. I'll be back with you next week for another episode of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. <laughs>